the fire. You should delay as much as you can the introduction of these devices to your kids because we're losing our humanity. It's so sad. You see a family sitting here pushing a stroller or at the dinner table and they've all got their faces in a phone. What kind of lost humanity? What are the negative impacts from that long term when it's multiplied through millions of people in millions of minutes that go by where you just lost an opportunity for warmth and connection with a family member? Welcome to Through the Fire, cutting through the passions, clearing the smoke of the cultural confusions of the world today. Talking God's love and God's solutions from a biblical Christian worldview. And now, here's your host, Marie and Gregory Seltz. The doctors are in. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to Through the Fire, where we are always tackling the tough issues of today, and we hope that it will bless you and your family. And we come at it from a theological and psychological perspective. And today, we are going to be speaking with Peter Ryan, who is a former Navy captain with 28 years of active service. Peter is a happily married man and father of four. Just like me, by the way. <laughs> not I just a wanted father to ju- of four, I just wanted though. to jump in. Well, not father of four. <laughs> Peter, you got me there, buddy. <laughs> and Peter has studied the effects that screen-based personal technology is having on individuals, right. and he advocates for increased Department of Defense awareness and action regarding the impact of excessive screen use by our military men and women. He authored Technology, the New Addiction, which was published in the September 2018 edition of the U.S. Navy Journal Proceedings. Peter Ryan contends that too much personal screen use, particularly by our younger members, is a war-fighting readiness issue Mm. that is negatively impacting our military. Recognizing that this is far more than just a military issue, he also regularly speaks to parent and youth groups. Now, before we get into that, I do want to say, although we're going to be speaking more about the negative aspects of extreme or overuse of social networks, I do want to say that there are some possible benefits to it. Social media does allow teens and adults, young adults, to create online identities to help them communicate with others and build social networks. These social networks can also provide teens and, and young adults with valuable support especially those who experience exclusion or have disabilities or chronic illnesses. Teens and young adults use social media for entertainment and self-expression. You know, different platforms do expose teens to current events and allows them to interact across geographic barriers and teaches them about a variety of subjects, including healthy behaviors. And social media that's humorous or distracting or provides a meaningful connection to peers and a wide social network might even help teens avoid depression. Well, you know, so there. before we get to Peter, there are very real possible harms, and that's what we want to be educated on by today, and we want to ask him to share with us all the things he's learned about that, because, you know, the social media can negatively affect teens, young adults, distract them, disturb their sleep, expose them to bullying, rumors spreading, unrealistic views of other people's lives, you know, uh, so they become poor comparisons, and just, this happens to us, too, though, I mean, as we use it. I mean, it can be overwhelming mm-hmm. as we see that, so the risks might be related to how much social uh, 
media teens use. Um, I think we we shared a study. You and I talked about this before the program. Mm-hmm. Uh, according to the Mayo Clinic, that uh, of more than 6,500 12 to 15 year olds in the U.S., they found that those who spent more than three hours a day using the social media, they might be at heightened risk for mental health problems. Mm-hmm. And then uh, what was that? That other study, more than 12,000 13 to 16 year olds in England found that social media, those who use social media more than three times a day, it predicted poor mental health and poor well being. So right. there's all kinds of stuff like this. And then there was that a Pew study in 2000. 2018 uh, of 750 13 to 17 year olds at 45 percent uh, who are online almost constantly of our teens and then 97 percent use social media platform like YouTube Facebook Instagram Snapchat uh, and today we can even add TikTok I mean it's it's pervasive it's the water in which our families and our children swim so Peter Welcome to the program after that introduction. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank you very much. And listen, we start, just jump right in. Uh, share with us what you have learned through your research. Mm-hmm. Uh, Thank you very much. I, I appreciate the opportunity to be on your program. I, uh, like, it, like you indicated, I'm a father of four, and uh, my, uh, my oldest uh, began to... Uh, dive deeper and deeper into the internet during his high school years. And during that time, I began to see the negative impacts of that. But unfortunately, that was many years ago. And I didn't really understand at first what we were seeing. But as time went on, I began to look at what, observe what he was doing, and also began reading and talking to people. And as a result of that, I've come to believe that the use of social media and the internet and video games and online pornography is having an incredibly damaging impact on our youth, not necessarily all youth, but some subset can be very seriously impacted. Mm -hmm. And we're beginning to see more and more statistics like that coming out in this post-COVID time period where youth had been isolated on screens for hours a day, Mm -hmm. double and triple screening due to forced, um, you know, uh, being home, staying at home and online schooling. And the impacts of that we're we're now beginning to see, uh, chickens are coming home to roost. So as a result of just beginning to connect dots together and looking at data, I I started talking to people, I began looking at data, and I began to look at, for instance, suicide data. Um, It's very clear that the youth suicide rate started going up around 2008. Mm -hmm. And interestingly, uh, the depression rate started going up around 2008. Mm -hmm. Our nation's fertility rate started going down in 2008. Mm -hmm. And I began to look at what what is the cause for that? And then I began to look at some of the Pew Research data that perhaps is what you had just cited. And there's a very high correlation between the growth in smartphones, say, as a proxy for overall technology use, screen-based technology. There's a very high correlation uh, between the, the growth in, those, in smartphones and the growth in youth dysfunction indicated by suicide, as well as the decrease in our nation's fertility rate. Um, in my course of uh, working in the Pentagon, I talked to some people, some commanding officers of ships, for instance. They indicated to me that when ships pulled into port overseas, oftentimes they, 
a significant percentage of sailors were staying on the ship. And I found that to be mind-boggling because yeah. when I went underway, the first thing you wanted to do Get off the ship. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And young sailors were often pursuing girls and beer. Hmm. So whatever is keeping sailors on ships is more powerful than women and beer. Wow. Which that that really says something. Yeah, can I just jump in and just think and ask you, you know, because it sounds like th- because the phone became so personal that it almost became the our best friend. Would that be kind of a, uh, you know, because like you said, it seemed like technology used to have to actually watch it on something with other people before, like whether it was television or even on computer screens. Now it's like closer than a brother, which is a very dangerous thing, right? Oh, I, I think you're you're spot on. Mm-hmm. Um, I've I've talked to some uh, youth psychologists, and they indicated during the developmental period, when you're supposed to be going out and exploring relationships and other kinds of things, if you, you know, as a teenager, you already have insecurities and right. things. If those insecurities drive you behind a screen, and you begin to seek pleasure from the screen. Your, your whole socialization and friend network can somehow be derailed. Absolutely. And that doesn't happen to every child. But with the circumstances of mass isolation behind screens wow. and the fact that the products are made to be addictive, that's like a double whammy. And we're, we are seeing incredibly, uh, we, we see depression rates going through the roof in this post-COVID environment. Mind you, they were already going up pre-COVID rather steadily with the growth in smartphones and high-speed internet and the like. Right. And you you said two things. I want to touch on that. You said not not everyone is going to be impacted this way. And there are some, some things we found psychologically that kind of identify, we can see the individuals that are going to be more predisposed, I guess, or more fragile to this. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're, depending on their where they are in their state of development, right, their social development, like you said, you know, they're, they're supposed to be going through certain changes, um, having certain challenges in life, uh, joining certain groups. Whenever they use these challenges through the social networks, platforms, and they're looking at how many likes they have and how many uh, thumbs up they get and how many positive reactions, that's whenever they start getting depressed because they never achieve the numbers that they want to achieve. And the, the, the comparisons that they are making to other people are so improbable because they're going through filters where people do not look like they really look. They're entering a very unrealistic world. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's that is one. It, but then if you have a, a child who has been educated and instructed on how to use uh, uh, social media and restricted even, okay, uh, by their parents. And uh, and so then they've grown into young adults who have that kind of discipline and understanding of the use and the, the benefits and negatives of using it, overusing it. They are okay if they engage in other social things and person to person and in group activities. But what happens, like you said, which was amazing, is that the um, these uh, sailors were choosing to stay in the comfort of that unrealistic social network. After being cloistered all that time. That's what's amazing to me. they lose the ability to socialize. And when you talked about dating, they don't even know how to do that. Dating is so far down. They don't know how to do it anymore. Yeah, you have to communicate. Right. No, I I totally agree with you. Mentioning that part about the likes and the dislikes, Mm -hmm. uh, talking to another uh, psychologist that I know, 
there there's true chemical reactions associated with this. Yes. If you're continually connected, you're in a state of hypervigilance mm -hmm. and you never allow your body to calm down. So if morning, noon, and night, you're continually tethered to this device, that begins to create a stress environment for your body, which is entirely unhealthy. Mm -hmm. And when you sit here and look at um, statistics on youth obesity, mm -hmm. youth eating, youth sleep patterns, they are incrementally going down. And this nonstop connectivity is part and parcel of the challenges that we have. One of the other side effects too is empathy. Mm -hmm. If you're continually, say for instance, gaming, the there is clear evidence that it reduces your empathy level. Yes. So we're seeing an awful lot of uh, increased violence, if you will, in this country. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't know what the correlation is or the causation of this uh, isolation behind screens for a year and a half, mm -hmm. but I would tend to think there probably is some tie to it, making the scientific connection that says it is causation. I can't go there, mm -hmm. but it wouldn't surprise me if everybody is in a more stressed state right. from this continual connectivity, which is unhealthy, and it's not human to human, it's this artificial connection that, that isn't healthy. Uh, mind you, you did raise some great points about the benefit. Totally acknowledge that. You know, let me jump in too and just say that, you know, the, I also think of the, how peer pressure works yeah. uh, destructively and constructively just to average kids. But then you have to factor in the algorithms of a lot of these platforms who want our children to actually think a certain way or act a certain way, maybe even against the, our values, maybe even against what's ultimately best for them. And you have to factor all of that in uh, to this as well. And I think that that's where it gets it starts to get scary for me, because in my work, you know, we tend to get deplatformed sometimes. And I find out that, you know, these platforms are actually manipulating how much my own people can see about what I want them to see, or what I don't want them to see. Now, factor that into a child developing and going through all of that. That's algorithmic peer pressure, too, right? No, absolutely. The idea that big tech can manipulate your kids, mm -hmm. either for financial reasons or for other reasons, which I'm not going to begin to speculate. But clearly, the movie Social Dilemma mm -hmm. clearly lays out that there's a level of control that they have yes. over our children, which is absolutely concerning. Right. Further, unprecedented. you know, it, one of the mantras today is follow the science. Mm -hmm. Well, when it comes to science today, and this is part of my awareness message, my daughter who gave up her smartphone a year and a half ago, both of us go and speak to a church parent and youth groups, as well as uh, other external groups. But one of the things I convey to parents is not only are the statistics bad, but the science that you're going to see down the road has now been contaminated. Mm -hmm. Harvard, uh, the uh, Boston Children's Hospital, has something called the Digital Wellness Center run by Dr. Mark Rich. And clearly in their documents, they indicate that the funding comes from TikTok, Meta, which is yeah. Instagram and Facebook, as well as Amazon Kids. Mm -hmm. So how this is like big tobacco funding right. smoking studies. Right. You're right. And they don't publicize that. They right. don't make that known. No, absolutely. So how is a parent, some busy single mom who's got three or four kids, 
is barely getting by from day to day and they hear on CNN, oh, here's the latest research. It's okay to do TikTok for 20 hours a day. I'm being a little facetious. Obviously, I don't think it would be that much. But the truth is the science is being contaminated and distorted. And that's part of the message that I share with parents. You're going to have to take a bull by the horns, unfortunately, Mm -hmm. and use what I, I hate to say, common sense, looking at your kids and seeing if they're using these devices a lot, it's kind of like alcohol. Right. You're going to have to sit here. It's a drug. Right. And you're going to have to control it. So, you know, I was going to say back to the gaming and the desensitization and the lack of empathy. I think it was, and I could be off. It's been, honestly, Peter, it's been years since I've looked at these studies. But years ago, I did look at them. And I think one of the first studies into the gaming and the impact on individuals that were doing that a lot, especially the violent games, I think that first took place in 2007. And I remember a lot of people poo-pooing that idea, like, no, people can tell the difference. But the truth is, like what you said, this heightened state of anxiety, the chemical changes that take place in your body whenever you're engaging in these things. And it's over and over. And it makes blood. It makes guts. It makes all of these things normal. And we so when we see today, you know, women getting raped in a group and nobody intervening, or we see somebody getting stabbed and killed and nobody intervening, or we see a child being beaten to death and nobody intervening, there's a reason for it. You know, there is a reason. And a lot of this we know is because when we talk to people, it's because they are they spend hours on these violent games. We know what it does also to children that have been involved in a lot of these gaming, like I'm not saying all games, but when they do it, overuse of it, right? It, it changes their brain. The GPA, we know this. I mean, their study after study shows the GPA go down with the more usage that they have. Um, depression, again, like you brought up, it goes up the with a more usage that there is suicide rates are up and it's with mostly the people that are doing these social media platforms overusing them using gaming pornography oh my goodness that is a huge problem in universities right now no it certainly is and i'd say most from my reading and discussions with parents and the like it seems that the boys are consumed with the video games and pornography mm-hmm. and the girls are, are into the social media mm-hmm. and, and that's a generalization but i found it in in the um the audience members that we've talked to that that's generally the case and they're clearly using it to excess and i've had i've had parents that in the audience that talked to me and they said oh yeah we took the cell phone away and my daughter locked us out of the house for an entire day mm-hmm. i've had another parent her son was a video gamer and she took the video games away and in the middle of the night, he went into her bedroom and dumped feces on her oh, head because he fell into a rage. Right. You see? But he was detox later. He went to a program. And there are programs out there. Matter of fact, I, I, I work with the, the Children's Screen Time Action Network, Fair Play. And I work with a group called Screen Strong as well. Mm-hmm. And they help parents today. And there are detox facilities as well. Out in Washington State, there's a program called Restart. So there are options to help children. And fortunately, that young man to which I was referring, he did get detoxed. And he's back to being a healthy, vibrant young man. That's wonderful. Yeah, it's the impact on these things are so broad ranging. And I don't think we've touched the the tip of the iceberg with it. But like you, I, I indicated it is a national security issue mm-hmm. when looked at in totality. 
Mm-hmm. You know, and, and also just a holistic thing, when you think about when we grew up, you know, boys tend to like rhythmic things that, uh, you know, we can shoot baskets for, you know, a thousand in a row. You know, that's just the way we are. But there's there's a sense where there's a physiological, sociological, psychological, spiritual, all those things have to actually be, be uh, developing for us to become healthy human beings. Well, it seems like this takes one thing and it drives a wedge, you know, it makes us male to the nth degree one direction and female to the nth degree in another direction and that it doesn't allow us to even be in the same atmosphere so we can't even develop any kind of communication skill sets at all um just to this has got to be a frightening thing for for our children and for the next generation of them being happy healthy human beings don't you think yeah, and I, I think also just functioning the, at their capacity the way they're supposed to. Like I know, Peter, when you were talking about the sailors and, and also you, you did something uh, that I read that you were talking about delayed responses and reactions. Can you talk to that a little bit? Well, if, if you are sleep deprived and you're stressed, your ability to respond properly to a situation is going to be negatively impacted in some fashion. Mm-hmm. It, uh, it just, we, if we are continually using these devices and not sleeping, not resting, not eating correctly, mm-hmm. it's going to have a negative impact on us in one fashion or another, whether it's academic, whether it's physical, whether it's social, all these different pieces, we're, we've been made by God as a total being. Right. And we have all these different attributes and characteristics which need to be nurtured and tended to we need to our body is a temple and we need to take care of it so we can function to serve in whatever capacity that might be yeah well i was just going to say too and the one thing i think you just hit on i think the one great temptation to this is that we control every aspect of it um we control the screen we control what we want to look at well obviously that it starts to control us to a certain degree too, but we become an isolated controller who thinks that we have everything in our hands. And that's exactly the opposite of the way life's supposed to be lived. Mm -hmm. You know, it's supposed to be lived in this dynamic of new people, new relationships, uh, uh, new demands, because that's the stuff that grows you. That's the stuff that expands you. That's the stuff that drives you to your knees in prayer. All that kind of stuff is taken away because now you have this one device in your hands that you actually tell it what to do, Alexa, and then it does it, and uh, you think you're in control all the way. Mm-hmm. And just to recap real quick, because I want if, if people are just joining us right now, I want them to know we're talking with uh, Peter Ryan. We're talking about the overuse of social media platforms and um, the negative impact that it has on our social development, our health, um, our performance. Um, our social life, just about everything, right? right? And, and and you work to bring awareness of this. I know you've done some work through the Catholic Diocese in Virginia, right? Yes, the uh, Arlington, Virginia, the diocese there. And I am, I hope to one day before uh, God calls me home, I do hope to make this a full-time profession because when I do give presentations with my daughter or, or, or by myself, the feedback forms that I get are, wow, I wish I'd known this before I bought my, our smartphone for our family. Wow, I had no idea. When you begin to look at all the data in, in total, parents are blown away and they have a newfound respect for 
an entirely new problem that we never had to face when we were kids. When we were kids, it was just, you know, you got yelled at if you didn't come home in time and yelled at for fighting or something. Mm -hmm. But today, kids are leading less less risk-taking lives. Mm -hmm. They're sitting at home. They're not, they're not interested. Many of them are no longer interested in getting their driver's license right. early. I got my driver's license the day I turned 16. Yeah. It was freedom. Mm-hmm. The kids today, I never knew kids that just hung around in their parents' basements. <laughs> That's but right. For boys, this is a fairly common problem. Right. I contend it's even probably related to our problems as a na- nation, getting people to go back to work mm-hmm. because they get stuck behind screens so much. Mm-hmm. I can't prove that. That's just my gut sense of it. Right. Yeah. But you've seen the data. Well, yeah, he's done a lot of research and he does use actual scientific data. You use really good um, resources to show people this is more than just your opinion, right? Yes, ma'am. I mean, you know, the problem with data is proving causation. Right. From a scientific perspective, the, the problem, I mean, it'll take years and years for science to formally come up with the notion that this causes this clearly. Mm -hmm. But some research papers are starting to say very clearly that more use equals more depression. So kids doing this, clearly, they're at risk of using it too much. Mm -hmm. There is one area I'd like to call, and that's the impact on faith as well, Mm -hmm. which I think we really should talk about. Sure. And if you have a device that's on your mind all the time. And that's what you talk about. You talk about it in the morning, you talk about it in the, at lunch, you talk about it in the evening. And that's what you do with your friends in the evening. That's an idol. Right. That has become an idol. And it is pulling our kids away, not only from friendships, sports, academics, and friends, it's pulling them away from our faith as well. It's a good point. Yeah. That, that is one, I don't have the statistics to prove that, but the data of the consumption rates and what it's doing to them says that it is becoming an idol. And parents need to understand that from a faith perspective as well, that you can't have two masters. Well, and it's also really, I mean, you know, I, I'm with you on this. You know, we have overwhelming correlation data, and uh, we do need to act on that even before we can prove total causation. But it is interesting. You just look at the apps and you look at the social media, um, like the Netflixes and things like that, the kinds of stuff that now are dominating our children's minds. And you just look at the kind of programming that's just on there. And if it's 24-7 that that's their device, that's the thing they look to for news, that's the thing they look to for entertainment, that's the, for socialization. Well, I can tell you right now they're being moved in a very, very secular, anti-God, libertine direction, and it's not good for them. It's good for the people who are moving them there. Absolutely. Um, you know, so th- I know why the people that are, because they are dependent now on that device, you know, they're going to eat nothing but Captain Crunch in every aspect of their lives uh, to their own destruction. But you're exactly right. Our parents got, they ask me all the time, how come our kids aren't going to church? Well, don't don't disparage Captain Crunch, though, because you I don't I love know Captain Crunch, but <laughs> in, in moderation. 
Uh, but, 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 you know, but I'm just saying, but they ask us all the time, especially we are pastors. And I say, guys, I mean, you give them to me for one hour a, a Sunday, you know, in Sunday school. And then they've got, you know, all these other hours in front of this device. And that device is telling them what it means to be a human being, what it means to be in relationships, what it that, in fact, it even says there is no God a lot of times. Oh, there is. And, yeah. and you get to a point where you go, you're going to have, you got to teach them to turn that off a little bit. So, yeah, so, so what are some things we can do? Let, let's talk about what, that. Peter, do you want to say something else? I'm sorry. No, no, I uh, I was just agreeing with Dr. Greg. Yes. Oh, well, at least somebody does. <laughs> See, now that hurts. <laughs> no, I had to add, you learned that on that device, I think. See, that's bad. <laughs> it's actually do, doing destructive things even to our relationship right now. Okay, so let's talk about yeah, some okay. of the things that parents, do? that parents can do right now. Because remember, you're not just growing your children, you're growing them into adults yeah, and who are going adults. to be parents and are going to be, God willing, uh, grandparents. So some of the things that we can do is set some reasonable limits. Talk right. to your kids about how to avoid letting social media interfere with their activities, with their sleep, with their meals, their homework. Encourage routine. Kids need routine. The earlier they develop routines, the better they're going to uh, use that and discipline themselves as they get older and go through life when you're not there. So set a bedtime routine that avoids electronic media use and keep cell phones and tablets out of their bedroom. Kids don't even know what they have in their hands sometimes, maybe monitoring their accounts, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Exactly. Um, And let them know you're going to be so it's not a sneaky thing. Let them know you're going to be monitoring it and really do it. Okay. Well, um, what do you advocate too? I mean, in, in terms of these kinds of things, is this is this something where uh, we've got to start doing? And, and at what age, Peter, do we start to actually form this in in, a, in the lives of our children? Well, I have to say, the what to do about it is probably the hardest task that I've had as a speaker on this. Because it's really, it's not easy Mm-mm. because these these items are so ubiquitous and they're changing and the technology is meant to be incredibly captivating. Mm-hmm. And you have schools and other things that are issuing iPads to kindergartners. Mm-hmm. Right. So we have these screens that are being shoved at us in many from many different perspectives. So I guess one of the things that was already said was, train them up, and when necessary, use words. Mm-hmm. Right. So you do have to be a good role model, first of all. I've always tried to be very intentional with my children that when they came up and talked to me, I dropped what I was doing, which was historically a newspaper until, say, 2008 or something. So I've tried to be a good role model in that regard. Uh, second, I would say it's really incumbent upon parents to delay Delay getting devices because your brain is developing. These these children's brains are developing. And a boy's brain doesn't fully develop until age 26. That's right. So if you can sit here and delay, you don't need to be hanging outside of the, on December 26th at midnight to get the sale at Best Buy of getting, you know, the new iPhone 5000 that's going on sale you know, when it first comes out, you should delay as much as you can the introduction of these devices to your kids. Mm -hmm. I would say there are some guidelines that have been put out there by the medical communities and things about when to do it. Mm -hmm. But I think they're being violated routinely by school systems and other things. Right. I think parents have to use common sense. Mm -hmm. For me, my daughter, I was so thankful she gave up her smartphone. She's going to college next year, and she's going to be 
having to deal with a group of people that's largely connected and she's limited. She has a phone, but it isn't nearly as capable. So uh, I, I would say delay too. And then when it comes to like parenting young ones, mothers that are breastfeeding their babies, don't be online, make eye contact with your baby because we're losing our humanity. Yeah. People that are into, it's so sad. You see a family sitting here pushing a stroller or at the dinner table and they've all got their faces in a phone. Yeah. What kind of lost humanity? What are the negative impacts from that long term when it's multiplied through millions of people in millions of minutes that go by where you, you just lost an opportunity for warmth and connection with a family member. Yeah, and I remember when I, you know dads wrestle with your kids, and and the and, and the physicality of play and all those kinds of things are being lost because you can't do it in front of a screen. No, you can't. So train them, delay you yourself, even you know mothers of newborns and families. Try to limit that as much as you can, and then try to learn about it too. Mm-hmm because the impacts you've got you've got to observe your family members the closer they get to 18 the more tenuous it becomes because you know just from my own experience as they get older it's really hard to manage this situation so you've got to set those boundaries early and work on a great relationship you've got to be able to have those hard conversations with your kids when they're wanting to fall in line in middle school but dad my all my other friends are connected. Right. I need to be connected. Well, you need to have that tough conversation with them, but you have to have a relationship first. Right. Rules without relationship just don't cut it. So you've got to, you've got to be there first to let them know that you're on their side, mm-hmm. and you have a better chance of coming out with a win rather than a loss in these individual encounters. And it's going to continually be pushing on you. Till they leave the house mm-hmm. and, and the last thing i would say too is if you put too much controls on them there, there's different schools of thought even from organizations that i uh, interact with my goal when i give presentations is to pass a message you have to prepare your children to be able to leave the home on their own and function mm-hmm. so if you've locked everything down because you're a skilled it professional and you can control their lives well, they're going to leave one day and they need to be able to face the tough forces that will be against them when they leave your house. Mm-hmm. So they need to be prepared to do that. So having that learning period while they're under your roof is beneficial. Mm-hmm. So it's a really, it's a tough balancing act. It is. Not too much, not too little in my opinion, right. but you have to be very observant because these kids can go downhill and unfortunately, I'm quite confident that these devices have led to multiple suicides. Oh, they have. have. A friend of mine, if you watch his video, it's called Almost 13. It's online. He started a, uh, Mr. Hunstable started a nonprofit to bring visibility to these problems. And his son was a beautiful young boy. So I, I just say that parents have to be vigilant. They have to be paying attention and they have to get on their knees and pray too, mm-hmm. because this isn't easy and there's no guarantees. That's right. And I do want to say like, with the, it, it, I want parents to know that like you were saying with this overuse of it, you know, it, it, it is such a problem. And it, if parents do not help and intervene, and I'm glad you mentioned those organizations. Um, again, the ones that you, you're actively connected with are Screen Strong 
and Screen Time Action Network at Fair Play. Um, it turns into an addiction. And then it becomes something that it's not just the kids' stubbornness or unwillingness. It's that they can't because they're so uncomfortable. They need to have that stimulation. And that sets them up for great depression and great probability of failure as they try to function when once they leave the home, like you said, and try to enter into a, a working place and providing for themselves and hopefully having a family. So this is not just a small little problem. It's very big. And I know that one of the things that you are advocating for are labels to be placed on some of these devices as warnings. And I thought that was fabulous. Um, so that people can take action. You, you encourage um, contacting the, your governor. Uh, yes, I think talking to your uh, both the uh, U.S. congressman and senators, I think that would be worthy of contacting them and saying that you would like to see warning labels on devices. Mm-hmm. Some, some activity is going on in terms of regulating big tech, but that's a very complicated issue yes. because there's mm-hmm. First Amendment and free speech issues. Right. So that's a very delicate issue. And right. I don't have a firm position on that at this point because I think there's second and third order effects when you get government controlling these big industries and right. things. Right. I, I do want parents to be aware, though, right. because, you know, the family, the, the nuclear family, the home and the family is the centerpiece that really needs to take action on these things. And I, I trust parents to make the right decision and ultimately for their families. If they're armed with information, they can do the right thing. I believe that. Right. Yeah. And if they have control over the education of their kids so that their kids are not getting these devices in kindergarten, that that, that would help too. <laughs> Absolutely. Peter, thank you yeah, so much for sharing you. your all of your insight and mm. um, your purpose. I mean, I think this is a purpose that you have and, and I we, we support you 100%. Yeah. And we'll be a part of that too. The Lutheran Center for Religious Liberty, we, we've got educational uh, things that uh, would be very much in concert with what you're doing. So we'll we'll get to know each other better. Thank you very much. I appreciate your time. God bless you. God bless you. You too. God bless you. Keep up the good work. And to all our listeners, we will put those um, resources up that Peter mentioned uh, on our website uh, here at familyvisionmedia.com. And Peter, thank you. And I hope we can have you back again uh, talking about some more of this very important topic and, and concern for parents and for all of us. Yeah, thank you, Peter. And uh, like we always say here, remember there are two kinds of fire in the world. The one that burns and consumes. And the one that burns and empowers. May God's word and God's love burn brightly in you, giving you strength to face any fire. Till next time, little embers, I'm Marie. I'm Greg. See you soon. Through the Fire is a production of Family Vision Media. Familyvisionmedia.org.